I think the beautiful thing about art, about storytelling that is memoir about yourself is you have this opportunity to like make your own story. Welcome. You're listening to Let It Out. I'm Katie Delbau. I've been hosting this podcast since early 2013. And over the years, we've covered a plethora of topics on the show, specifically about women's health. We've had Dr. Christian Northrup on, who's like a seminal person who wrote this book about female health. And we had hormonal expert Elisa Vitti on talking about birth control. We had Jessica Mernan talking about endometriosis. We had an episode with this woman named Bethany, who is a coach around healing your mother wound and what your relationship with your mother has to do with your emotional health and relationships, which was fascinating. We did an episode early on with Kiminami about jade eggs and We've just been talking about sex a lot on the show, and today we're talking about something particularly intimate to me that I had a lot of shame around for a long time. And in this episode, you're gonna hear me let it out. (laughs) We talk about painful sex, specifically vaginismus, which if you don't know what that is, it's a condition involving a muscle spasm in your pelvic floor, or it can be for a plethora of reasons, but basically it's when sex is painful, difficult, maybe impossible. And I experienced this, which you'll hear about a little bit. Brene Brown says that shame can't exist when it's shared. And that's why I think personal storytelling and particularly this medium of podcasting is so wonderful. I say this almost every week, but starting this podcast was like the greatest thing I've ever done through the people I get to interview on the podcast, meeting them as a networking tool, the people who listen to the podcast, getting to meet them. And we talk about why telling personal stories in general through different mediums is so important in this episode. We talk about the importance of community and making people feel less alone. We talk about mothers and daughters talking about sex a bit in this episode. And it's all because I'm talking to storyteller and audio producer and creator, Allison Berenger. Allison's fantastic. We're friends. We met at The Wing a couple of years ago. She's an extremely talented producer and storyteller, and she's the creator of this podcast called Bodies that she produced with KCRW. And I highly recommend going back and listening to it in its entirety. It's about women solving mysteries within their bodies. And the first episode, as you'll hear us talk about at length, is about her experience with vaginismus and solving a mystery within her body. So listen to that one for sure, but listen to all of them. And I really am excited for you to hear this conversation. It was one that, I don't know, I just felt like we really connected and we got into a good volley and I liked it. And I I love this medium and it's fitting that I have a fellow podcaster on the podcast today because in fact, I love podcasting so much that I now help other people start podcasts. I did advising and helping people do what I call DIY podcasting. So 
that's, you know, not podcasting in the way that Allison does professionally, necessarily, although she is a guest speaker in the course, which I'll tell you about in a second, but helping people podcast alongside a full-time job or helping people do a podcast as a hobby or something with a friend. Podcasting has given me so much, like I've already mentioned, it's become my networking, it's become a great way to to meet people. But I say in this this episode, that's what it was when it started. What it is now is a way to process the world and tell about what I'm going through in real time. You know, I look at this in a Mark Marin style. This is one person, me's audio journal of growing up on the internet and talking about what I'm feeling and experiencing in real time and through the lens of conversations with other people, people who are at all different levels of their career. And that's the podcast that I made, but I've helped people make all sorts of podcasts over the last few years, the last maybe two or three years I did advising one-on-one with people. And then I made this, this digital workshop that has eight modules where I go through everything from naming your podcast and coming up with a concept to interviewing and marketing your podcast and eventually monetizing it. And I give you, you know, all the PDFs and all of the email templates and trackers that I use to start a podcast because there's actually a lot of moving parts in starting a podcast. It seems easy and I had someone helping me out when I started. It was my boyfriend at the time who took care of the editing and the technology and anything I didn't want to deal with. So I could just basically curate guests and interview. But now I've figured out how to do it all myself. And I want someone to have a guide like I did if there's someone like me who needs a lot of handholding. So this is a place where all the information is organized and it's there for you. And I am so happy that it exists and I love doing it. And at the end, I give the people who have gone through the workshop the chance to submit either a clip or a full episode of their podcast that I air on this podcast, which I'll be airing next week. You'll get to hear some people who have been through this course and I and I choose a winner. And, and it's cool that I do that because it is accountability for people who buy a course and I want them to actually use it and make something and gives them a deadline. But also it's been really cool for me to see the creativity of the people who have gone through this course and the plethora of podcasts that can be made because yes, there are so many more podcasts now than when I started, but I think it's a welcomed medium and I think it's a welcomed phenomenon that podcasting is as popular as it is right now. If you've been considering starting a podcast or if you know someone who's been wanting to start a podcast but gets overwhelmed easily by all the different moving parts, I totally get it. I'm one of those people. Send them Let a Podcast Out and they can do the first two modules for free and just see what they think about it. It's going to be the price. We do an early bird special. So if you do want to sign up, this is the week to do it because on Monday the 14th, I think, the price goes up. So this is the time to do it. And I'm going to do a Instagram live on the Let a Podcast Out Instagram account on the 14th to answer any podcasting questions that you guys might have. So if you want to jump onto that, that's a really good thing too. And then also I mentioned that the course has these eight modules, but it also has guest speakers. And Allison, today's guest, is one of the guest teachers, professors, people in this 
workshop and also a lot of other previous podcast guests and other podcasters that you might know, the girls from Almost 30, Christy Harrison, host of Food Psych, the host of That's So Retrograde, Jessica Renan, host of One Part Podcast, several others. They completely open up about everything that they do in their process for having a podcast. And you'll get a perspective from people that aren't just me. So if you want to hear from them, that's in the course. But also, Allison and I did an event together at The Wing a couple of months ago. It was called Podcasting 101. And it was a panel that I moderated with Allison and two other podcast producers who are really, really talented. And if you'd like to hear that audio, I'll send it to you. The link is in the show notes. So just let me know and you can hear that podcasting 101 audio. And I think you'll get a lot from that. So that's a free resource that you can try to check out if you want to start a podcast. Stick around to the end of this episode for my likes and learns. If you're new to this podcast at the end, I share something I've been liking and something I've been learning every week, but I'm going to just quickly, since there's no sponsor for this week's episode, I am making Let a Podcast out the sponsor. So I'm going to read a testimonial from someone that I advised in starting a podcast and she was so kind to give her testimonial to my ability to help people start podcasts. And that's Lacey Phillips, who many of you guys know. She's the founder of To Be Magnetic and I helped her. So she made this lovely, lovely note for me and I'm going to read it aloud, which is kind of awkward, but uh, here we go. Okay, so she wrote, Katie is such a light in the space. When we were starting our podcast expanded, the guidelines of her course were instrumental down to audio and how to present, we are forever grateful to her generosity and lack of ego. At this point, only 13 episodes out in 13 weeks, Expanded is fast on its way to half of a million downloads. Thank you and we love you, Katie. So that was a while ago. And now I know that she has millions of downloads and Expanded has been out for a very long time. And it's so, so cool to see Lacey's podcast grow and just Lacey's work in general grow. And it was so kind of her to write that testimonial. But there's many more testimonials on the website that you can read from people who have been in my course. And I will read some more aloud again sometime, maybe. But let's just go to this episode with Allison. Let's talk in the Facebook group after this episode and connect if you guys have experienced this intimate issue or know someone who has with vaginismus, send them this episode. Or if just someone that's like feeling weird about sex and their bodies, you know, it's like really hard to be a person in this world. And I love you guys. And I think you're great. And I'm really happy we have this community. So I'm inspired by this episode to use the Facebook group more and connect. So I'll talk to you guys there and at the end. Hi, Allison. Thank you for doing Let It Out. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here, Katie. I'm so happy that you're here. So let's start with you and where you grew up, what you were like as a kid, where are you from? Yeah. So I was born and raised in Maryland. My mom still lives in the house that I grew up in, uh, suburban Maryland, kind of between Baltimore and Annapolis. Uh, Growing up, very much like a sports-focused household. My mom played sports in college. She played field hockey and lacrosse. She's a total jock. I was a total jock. Um, (laughs) And yeah, just kind of like typical suburban 
upbringing. Yeah. What was I like as a kid? I mean, definitely very high energy, ate a ton of food all the time. Like I was just always hungry, like one of those kids. (laughs) Did you know you wanted to move to New York and work in audio? No way. And the, the thing is, I think about kind of where I am right now. When I was a kid, I could have just I just had no conception of like what this could be. I think something so cool right now is so many people are doing things that we just couldn't have even imagined. Yeah, so podcasting yeah. didn't exist. Yeah, or like maybe I thought for a second about journalism, but not really. Yeah. Even in college, I wasn't really sure. What did so you study in college? I studied sociology, which I think everyone should take a sociology class. Yeah. I'm sure everyone's biased towards their own discipline that they studied, but I just think sociology gives you this understanding that the way that the place that you are in the world that everyone is, is so affected by your race, your class, your gender, your geography. And I think that honestly, sociology, an understanding of sociology leads to a more compassionate understanding of the world. And I took some journalism classes in college that were cool and I really liked them. There wasn't a journalism major at Princeton where I went. And then after college, I really just wanted to travel and work abroad. I had done two study abroads or work abroads in India and South Africa over the course of my time, which was amazing and so transformative. And so I did a teaching fellowship in Northern Thailand, taught fifth and sixth graders. It was amazing and so fantastic and just kind of lived a very, yeah, very chill and laid back life, which I think after, uh, just having such an intense life for so long, it was really, really necessary. And I think being in New York, you know, kind of it's intense and and it's, it's easy to get away from that chill mindset. But I think that being in Thailand for a year very much chilled me out in in a really great way and got to travel a bunch while I was there. And then I really liked teaching. So then I came back to the States, applied for some teaching jobs, ended up in New York City and was teaching 10th graders English, which was a a totally totally different experience. And kind of ended that year feeling like, okay, I really like teaching, but I feel like I want to try other things. And also simultaneously, a friend of mine had been doing a uh, menstrual health education startup nonprofit in India, and I've been kind of working on it with her. And she and I had actually met... um, after my sophomore year working in India. And I was, you know, really cared about women's health and and wanted to do that. So then after I finished teaching, I went to India for a summer to help start things up. And that was tough, so interesting, humbling in terms of just like, wow, there's so much about Mm -hmm. the world and women's health I don't know. Just like, that's the thing with women's health. You're just always learning. I learn things all the time about our bodies that I think, why didn't I know about that? I can't believe I didn't know about that, but it's just constant. And then I came back and a friend of mine who I had taught with had told me about a documentary studies program in Portland, Maine called the Salt Institute. And I was still toying with this idea of maybe journalism, maybe documentary film. Like I just loved other people's stories, the sociology of it, the interviewing. And so I did this documentary storytelling program in in Maine, and it was great. Like, learned a ton, met some amazing people. And so then I finished that year, I guess it was end of 2014, feeling like, what am I going to do with my life? The problem is not that I don't like things, is that I like too many things. I 
really like teaching. I really love the work that we're doing with menstrual health and menstrual hygiene, awareness around women's health. This journalism, this documentary thing was really cool and just feeling like really lost. And then I ended up moving back to New York, partially for love, partially because that's where you go if you want to do media stuff. The love thing didn't last, but the media thing fortunately (laughs) did. Um, But I mean, very much struggled for the first six months in New York, you know, worked a crappy office job, worked for free a lot. Just so many times I asked myself, like, why did I leave teaching this thing that I enjoyed and and liked and was fulfilled by and challenged by? Why did I leave that to just go into this unknown abyss? But then did eventually through the alumni network of this school ended up with my first podcast job. It's so cool. And that was yeah. the intern. Yes. Which you really, you just told me in a different interview that we did, that that was a, that was kind of the impetus where you learned that telling a vulnerable story is really advantageous to the medium and helps connect people, which is so aligned to what I do on this podcast. Cause I believe when you tell, we call them soft stories, stories that are vulnerable or tender, real, they make people feel less alone and can instantly connects people when they tell them. And I feel like that's what you do through all of the podcasts that you've worked on, which fast forward us to Bodies, your most current project. Can you talk about that and what the inspiration for that was? Yeah, sure. So Bodies is my current project and podcast, and it's a reported documentary style show. And Each episode is one woman's journey to solve a mystery about her body. The idea is that we combine really intimate storytelling with reporting to kind of shed light on both the ways that having some kind of health issue or mystery affects every facet of your personal life. And then also the ways that these personal stories can help illuminate a lot of the bigger structures that affect our health, like big pharma, patriarchy, a history of sexist medical research, racism, all of these forces that affect our health. So it sounds like it really hits a lot of your notes, this yes. particular project. It kind of hits all the things that you talked about. Exactly. And yeah. that was the really such a cool feeling to after we, so Bodies came out last summer, summer of 2018. And I thought to myself like, oh my gosh, these three things that I thought were so different and I had to choose one of them, education, women's health, and documentary stuff. I I think that I'm doing all these things. Yeah. And I do believe that so much of storytelling is education. There's a lot of, I know a lot of former educators who have gotten into podcasts and storytelling because I just think there's so many, so many overlaps. Yeah. This particular podcast really st- starts with your story and you're telling stories. It's so wonderful. I didn't say that at the top of the show, (laughs) but I love bodies so much and what you've created. So you tell stories of women solving mysteries within their body, but the first episode is a mystery in your own body. What was that choice like for you to, you mentioned before to me off this podcast that years ago, you were really not wanting to make the storytelling about you. So not only when, and I want you to tell people what it's actually about. Not only yeah. is it about you, it's about like the most intimate story you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I had finished up this previous podcast, The Intern. I was freelancing, trying to figure out what was next. 
when I say freelancing, I mean helping other people make their podcasts, um, mostly doing branded work. And again, I, I have been like circling around this idea of, you know, I want to do something about women's health. And um, I had had this thing that had happened to me before I started doing podcasts. And I mean, the short story and, and kind of what I go into great detail in, in, in the first episode, but basically all of a sudden sex became painful. And I was 24 at the time. I had never had any issues with this before. And I had a serious partner at the time who I was very in love with. And yeah, it kind of started like as like a little bit of pain, which I think unfortunately a lot of women are conditioned to think is normal. And then it just kind of got worse. Like it wasn't going away. It wasn't going away. And I did a lot of Googling. I did a lot of research. Couldn't find any answers besides just like painful sex. This is a condition that people have. There's no cause, no cure. And I went to my gynecologist back in Maryland and she was very dismissive. She was like, oh, nothing's wrong. You're fine. And just like, couldn't understand why I was so distraught over this thing. But it just, I felt like I was broken. I felt like something was wrong with me. When I thought about my future, I wondered if I would always have this, if I would ever be able to have good, pleasurable sex again. And it also, you know, took a huge toll on the relationship. And it actually came when a woman shared her story with me that she had had painful sex and couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. And then for her, it turned out to be the birth control pill. And for me, when she said that, I was like, what? The birth control pill? Like, I think of the pill as something that just like has no side effects. Like Mm -hmm. everyone's on the pill. What side effects are there besides like heart attack if you're a smoker? I didn't know about anything. So what was remarkable was that, you know, I, like I said, I've been Googling painful sex for a long time. But then when I got home that day, I Googled painful sex, comma, hormonal birth control. And I was just on like orthotricycline, like a very standard pill. And once I added those keywords to my search, then all these stories came up. So I ended up making an appointment with a doctor who specializes in this. And he diagnosed me with vulvodynia. And basically he explained that not for all women, but for not an insignificant amount of women. And I explained the science in much better, much better yeah. terms on the podcast. So I encourage people to, to listen to that. But essentially the hormone, the synthetic hormones had caused an imbalance of natural hormones, which caused the tissue in the vestibule, which is the opening of the vagina to become really thin and irritated. So that's why penetration was really painful. That's why like any touching in the pelvic area was really painful. And then it caused a secondary problem, which is tight pelvic floor. And as Dr. Goldstein explained, I was bracing against the pain from the, like the raw tissue, the tissue issue from the um, hormonal, the tissue issue from the hormonal birth control. Then I was like bracing against the pain and then I had a secondary problem, pelvic, tight pelvic floor muscles. So I got off the pill. He prescribed like a topical gel. Also testosterone is very important to the sexuality of women. Just want to put that out there. So it had like testosterone in it. And there's just, yeah, there's just so much we don't know about women's sexuality and a ton I learned along the way. So basically I, and I did, I used the gel. I stopped hormonal birth control. I started doing pelvic floor physical therapy, which for people, for those of you who don't know, it's basically a internal massage. 
So it sounds super uncomfortable and weird to basically have a physical therapist be fingering you and like massaging your (laughs) pelvic floor muscles. Releasing them essentially. Yeah, exactly. But once, you know, it was fine. It was cool. And it, it really, really helped a lot. So those three things in combination, I was able to get better. So that's kind of the story in a nutshell. So kind of fast forward to this moment where I was trying to figure out what my next project was going to be. And I would have conversations with friends all the time and they'd be talking about their birth control and people don't like women don't know the side effects. And that's not on women. It is a bigger systemic issue of this education's not there. There is I there's not informed consent when it comes to birth control. Also sometimes doctors don't even know about these side effects because they're not studied. So for a lot of reasons people are not informed about the side effects of birth control. And I kept getting these conversations where I was like explaining how birth control worked and the pill worked to people. And you know, I'd be talking about my and I was constantly sharing my story and and I was like, "Oh my gosh, like this story needs to be out there. Like people don't know about this." And so I thought about writing the story. I thought about pitching the story to another podcast. And then the more and more I talked about it, the more and more I realized that not only have so many other women been had pelvic pain, painful sex, or negative side effects from birth control, of which there are many, depression, anxiety, low libido. I mean, the list goes on. But there, I heard a lot of other stories. And this is just at bars with friends. Like This is just yeah. kind of the information collecting process what would normally happen is like, I would end up telling my story and then they would tell me their story, whether it was fibroids or endometriosis or some kind of chronic illness. And the stories had all the same beats. Something goes wrong, feeling alone, not being believed, eventually getting an answer. And then people saying, what the fuck? Why didn't I know about this? Digging some more and then realizing why they didn't know is because this whole web of, as I keep referring to, like sexist research not enough money going into women's health, all of these things are affecting our health. Yeah. And so at that point, I was like, okay, this isn't just a one-off story about me or even like birth control. This is a much bigger thing. And so at that point, I was like, I think this is a show, like this is a podcast. And so I started talking about it more and just feeling like, yes, like this, this is a thing. And at that point, just started pitching to networks. So this was in 2016, pitched around to different brands. I applied for grants. I applied for fellowships. I applied to all different kinds of things and eventually got support, I think probably like seven or eight months into pitching from KCRW, which is a public radio station in Southern California and amazing. And they have this thing called the Independent Producer Project. And the idea is to support independent producers. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that when I spoke with, I always say that if I had talked, if KCRW had been the first place that I pitched, they probably would have passed because it took me seven, eight Mm. months to come up with a great pitch, to know how to explain bodies in two minutes. You know, I would explain bodies early on and people kept being like, oh, so it's about body image. I'm like, (laughs) no, it's not about body image. But then I was like, wait, clearly I'm not explaining it right. right. How can I explain it better? What are the questions that people are asking me? So by the time that I pitched to KCRW, I just had it down. Like yeah. I knew I knew how to explain what I was doing and my vision for bodies and then got an advance so to speak to make the first episode. So that was my own story and I just felt kind of I worked on that in the summer of 2017 and I just felt like this is my shot. This yeah. is my one shot. I need to make this so good. 
and sent it to KCRW. And I remember I got, I like remember the subject line of the email I got back. The subject line was listened and loved. Aww. And I just, it was so great. And I mean, they had like two edits and they said, okay, like, let's do it. Oh, that's so great. So got the rest of the funding for the show and was able to hire a small team and worked on it for like 14 months and published in uh, July of last year. So in July of 2018. And it's just, it's it's cool now about a year out to, to I've had a chance to reflect yeah. and and it's kind of like what I imagined, but more, like more yeah. than I could have ever imagined just in terms of the impact that the stories have had. And I mean, every single episode, the women that shared their stories, incredibly brave, were incredibly vulnerable, just incredible, amazing people who, yeah, were brave enough to share their story and trust me to share their story in a thoughtful way that was true to them. So I think that, yeah, I'm just like so grateful for all yeah. the people that we've worked with. That's so, so cool. Yeah. I want to, I want to go back to something you said about starting to tell your story before you even made it a podcast about yeah. how, when you would talk about this happening to you instantly, other people would relate and feel less alone. And I think that's what going back to sociology. I mean, I think that's what it is to be a person. I mean, life is really, really hard and also great and beautiful, but like in those hard moments, it's really easy to feel alone. And when you're going through something that there isn't a lot of talk about generally, you can, it can feel so insular. And I think that, I mean, I think that's depression. I think that's anxiety. I think that's a lot of mental health issues, but it's a lot of physical issues that then bring on those, those mental conditions. And I just think talking about it is so important. I mean, I know I told you this, but I had vaginismus, this painful sex, and I felt so embarrassed. Like I never thought at the time when I was so in it that I would ever say it on my podcast, much less like to anyone, you know, like I remember telling a therapist about it and being like, can I'm a Martian, I'm doomed, I'm alone. This is something's wrong with me. I'm broken. I'm bad. And talking about this specifically a sexual issue that like having to communicate about that to your partner and to people in your life and even to doctors can be uncomfortable. So can you just talk about that whole experience and how was making art about it cathartic to you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think that's really great that you're sharing that with everyone. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sorry to go through that because it's really shitty and yeah. it's, and it's, I mean, I totally relate to those feelings of, of feeling alone, like something's wrong with you. I mean, I was so embarrassed by it, so embarrassed totally. by it, so much shame. And now because I've told the world, I'm like, whatever, I like, don't have those feelings at all. But yeah. I mean, to answer your question about catharsis, I mean, yes, I think that I remember when I, I was working with this uh, really great story editor advisor, Caitlin Prest, and she has some really great work. Oh, yeah. People should check Love out her. The Heart, The Shadows. shadows. Oh, yes. my God. Yes. Feelings. <laughs> yes. So she was my story editor for the first episode. And then I worked with another incredible creator, uh, Sharon Mashihi, for the later ones. But I remember, and I had tried to write this story so many times, right? And we were meeting at a coffee shop and we were going to like just do some writing together. And I had like a draft written and I was reading it out to her. She was like, Allison, this is like, 
You're writing about the Allison of today, telling the story about the Allison of the past. I need you, Allison, in the moment. Tell me, what did he say to you? And this is my partner at the time who we pseudonymed Luke. So I'll refer Mm -hmm. to him as Luke. You know, what were your conversations? What was going through your head? Because I had been writing like, my boyfriend, this or that. And it really took a lot of her pushing to like get me into that moment. And so, you know, I read through my journal at the time. I went back to emails that I had sent at the time to friends. I went back through my photos to see like, what were we wearing? Oh, or, like, it had to be like, yeah, I, I'm thinking about that right now. Like I, I wrote something recently that was just emotional. I'm like getting the, the feel like, uh, like I might cry. <laughs> yeah. 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 So like lots of digging. <laughs> very emotional. But I think I should also say, I've talked to some people who have been through really hard stuff and are trying to do personal storytelling and they are trying to do it like right after. And I think obviously people are so different and and making art about yourself, it can, or hard things can come at any time. But I think for me personally, it was really good to have had a year or two of space actually mm-hmm. to process and heal and like get over the shame of yeah. it. Because that shame really carried over so there, yeah, so there's a lot of excavation, a lot of digging. It was painful for sure. Cause I don't really think I was over him at the time. True. I mean, mostly, but not like really. And, but I think the beautiful thing about art, about storytelling that is memoir about yourself is you have this opportunity to like make your own story. And I know that it, you know, people talk about that in therapy or going through hard things or like, you know, writing your own story. And it sounds cheesy or trite, perhaps, but I think that this very like messy, painful year of my life, painful both like physically and emotionally, it felt really confusing in a lot of ways. And I think that making that episode was a way to make the story how I wanted to make it, put it in kind of like a box and then like put it up on my shelf and, you know, be able to open it and look at it and be like, oh yeah, this was my story. Like, this is what happened to me on my terms and how I experienced it. And then be like, okay, I'll put it back. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's like that Meryl Streep thing, like take your broken heart and put it into art. But it's like taking that almost to the next level of like, what do I need from this to help me to be able to let go of this? Yeah. And then Hopefully, I think that at its best is also it can be useful to other people. Yeah. You know, when you take the ego out of it of like, I think often art or memoir art can start from an ego need to understand something or process something. Mm -hmm. But then I think the good moment is when it shifts to being not about you, but about the audience. Yes. And I don't know exactly how that shift comes or if it's something that happens automatically. But I think that is what takes good art to great art or maybe something that is purely like a journal entry to something that is a positive piece of work in the world. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's such a great point. And I wonder like, what's the difference? What are the processes that, that separate those things? I mean, I think that one is just, drafting like that journal entry might be like your very very mm-hmm. shittiest first draft but then it's like drafting again and again writing again and again getting all this different feedback and then i think in that process you do realize what are the universals something that was interesting so 
with bodies, a bit of a spoiler, but, or sorry, with the first episode, I talked to my mom Mm -hmm. and I had originally, I didn't really know why I was talking to her. Like I kind of wanted to, I thought maybe she would help me like recreate a scene where like she was in or not recreate, but like I would be able to talk to her and that would, her voice would help tell a specific memory. But that didn't really work. Like she couldn't really remember the details. And so we ended up getting into a discussion about mother-daughter relationships. And like, I kind of asked her like why she didn't like talk to me about sex and pleasure. And she felt- It's like such an emotional moment. I'm thinking about it right now. (laughs) And she's like, Allison, like, I didn't know. Like- She did her best. She did her best. And I think that that like really, I think a lot of people, I got a lot of feedback that like a lot of people cried at that part. And I think that was a moment where like, it wasn't about me. It wasn't really about my mom. It was about this universal of like parents wanting to do right by their children, um, children wanting to know why things the way they were. And also this shift in understanding as I think we grow from children into adults and seeing our parents as humans, not a mom or a dad or a parent that revolves around us, but separate people. So yeah, um, I feel like, yeah, now I'm just kind of thinking about that. But yeah, I think that, I think also as women, we're always worried about like navel gazing or like talking about ourselves too much. I think we, we need to get over that generally. And I'm like saying that to myself as much as to all of us. But I think also we have a lot of self-awareness and we, we don't want to tell stories that are just about ourselves. We want to tell stories that are connected. And I just think that yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on this, but like what? I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I, I've been thinking about, I've been writing a lot of personal essays yeah. this year. That's kind of where I've been focusing. And obviously I host a podcast that's an interview show, but mostly like a Mark Marin style audio journal, you know? And, and when I started it, it's, I've grown up on, on the internet with this. And most of my work is very navel gazing esque. And, you know, I'm, I struggle with that. I struggle with like, I try to ask myself before I post anything, before I share anything, is this useful? And have that as my barometer. And sometimes the most useful piece of it is when I share something that's so specific and so me, but somehow other people relate. And I I think that the most that I've gotten feedback on this podcast has been really vulnerable things I've shared about my eating disorder that people have said me too. And that was the mm-hmm. first time I heard that and yeah. that made me feel less alone. And I would love to say that that was intentional and that I was trying to help people, but really I was just being myself and I was, yeah. a lot of this isn't in, in a selfish way. And so I think that's like, I've been talking a lot about podcasting and if the world really needs another podcast or if, you know, what it, what is it that I've been doing here and what am I going to be doing here? And I think ultimately I used to make a show that was a networking tool for myself. And that was a way for me to meet people. And in 2013, you could do that really easily. Now it's not, you know, now podcasting is the new, like, will you take me to the airport asking someone to do your podcast, you know? So it's like, I have to really rethink what the goal of this is and try to make things useful. And I think storytelling is such a beautiful blend of that and diversifying who I'm speaking to and the stories I'm telling. But also the whole reason I brought this up is realizing that like when things are personal, I think people can sense that, you know, and people 
want that. We want people to be real and unmasked. And that's why your story on the intern was the most popular one. And this, you know, why you started bodies with this. And I think pieces of my work have been the most, I think there's, I think that might just be how life works. I don't know. What do you think on that? I mean, I feel like sometimes just like we only have our experience as much as I want to try to tell someone else's story. I can, but it's better if they just do it and I can just do mine. I think, I don't know. What, where are you with that? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm of two minds. Cause of, of course I also think that I'm a huge advocate of personal storytelling. Mm-hmm. I think it's great and beautiful, but I, all that being said, I was very happy after the first episode of bodies to be like, okay, now I'm, yeah. It's not about me anymore. But that being said, I think that over the course of the season, my editors often would push me like, put yourself in this more. Like people want to hear your opinion on it. And it's like, no, no, no. I want to step away and like highlight this other person. But I think that in podcasting, especially something that's very host driven and a lot of other podcasts have done this where the first episode is like the person's own story, like terrible things for asking, longest, shortest time, um, death, sex, and money. Even a lot of these shows have started from a personal thing. And I think that helps build rapport with the audience. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess all I'm, all I'm saying is bringing yourself into your yeah. work makes it more powerful, I think. Well, and then let's talk about the community that springs from that. Yeah. So you have this, this community that's sprung from bodies that we talked about a little bit, but I want to know about specifically that episode that was about painful sex. What was the response to that and what surprised you? Based on my own uh, just kind of personal reporting and data collection, I felt like painful sex was way more widespread than people were talking about. You know, it's like I would just always hear people would come up to me and tell me their stories. But I've been kind of floored with the sheer numbers of women that have reached out to me, email, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, like you name it to be like, this exact same thing happened to me or something really similar happened to me. And I've never heard anyone talk about this before. And I can't tell you like how um, comforting Mm -hmm. it was to hear your story. I mean, this is something that is painful sex. Pelvic pain is something that is so widespread. And so, I mean, I think that I almost want to do another episode about it because there's also, you know, we had similar things with painful sex, but there were different causes of it. And there's so many causes and there are so many treatments and, and people just don't know about it. But I mean, the response to all the episodes have been tremendous, but I think that like the combination of birth control, which like, we don't know how that shit works Mm -hmm. and painful sex. It just like, it's such a common experience, unfortunately. And yeah, the Bodies Facebook group has just, it's so funny because when I started, I was like, yeah, I think we should do a Bodies Facebook group. It'll be a cool way for people to like share their reactions to the episodes and whatever. I wasn't really yeah. sure what it was going to be, but I felt like it was important to have a space for people to come together. So Bodies, the, the inspiration for the name of Bodies actually comes from Our Bodies Ourselves, mm-hmm. which is, you know, right, this like seminal textbook that came out of in 70s or 80s in Boston, women just getting together and be like, heck, we know more about our bodies than doctors do. Like, let's write our own darn book. And just this idea of collective knowledge being- Yeah. It was like the original Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So anyway, that's like hugely inspiring to me. And that's always kind of been part of the mission of bodies. 
So we started this Facebook group and, you know, I just invited like a hundred of my friends to it or something to populate the group. And then was checking on it a little bit and, you know, posted the first episode and, you know, I was like, okay. And then I got super busy. It was just like crazy production schedule. And I remember one day, a couple weeks into the launch of the podcast, I was like, okay, shoot, I better set aside some time to go into the body's Facebook group and post this question. That's going to get conversation going. And I went into the group and I just remember scrolling through and just seeing all these women sharing their stories with painful sex. And I was like, I don't need to post anything. Like, I don't need to get anything going. People are jumping in with recommendations for gynecologists. like you started a party and then you left. Yeah. And it was like, good. They were chill. Exactly. This is also similar. Here's a test. Walk into a room of women, just talk like just start talking about like diva cups or like periods. And then all you need to do is sit on the couch and people will just talk for the next hour. Like it's incredible because there's just like not an outlet for this normally. And so I think the group has just become this place where people go to share their stories. I mean, there's people who just write and they're like, I just wanted to share my story. Yeah. They aren't even really looking for anything besides just support and a feeling that like they're not alone. It's so important. Yeah. I mean, that's the scariest feeling in life is like feeling doom or hopelessness and alone, you know? And I think those things can come up so easily and to have, you know, whether it's a a podcast that you can turn on and like kind of remind you that you're in humanity. I think New York is good for that when I'm feeling really low, like going outside and reminding myself I'm part of something else is everything, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So creating as many spaces as we can that do that is really beautiful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. I, I could talk to you forever and you're going to have to come back onto the podcast, (laughs) but let's get to the questions. I I always ask people on this podcast. So we always talk about body image and I know bodies isn't about (laughs) body image, but we always talk about it here. Yeah. It's, it's part of it. Yeah. It's always part of of everything. Yeah. Right. Being a, I wish it wasn't. So what do you, you have that post-it that says make things on your mirror what do you do when you don't feel like making things? When you're having a bad day, bad body image day, we call yeah. them, or just a bad, a low day in general, What? how do you pivot? What are things that help you? I'm a big exerciser. So I think that my you medicine- You ride your bike a lot. And a, yes, I ride my bike a lot. My medicine in a lot of ways is running, biking, being outside. Right now, for the past couple months, I've been- just in a waiting period of trying to figure out my contract for the next season. So it's just been a lot of kind of downtime Mm -hmm. and, but like feeling like there's a lot to do, but like not, it's just been like a weird, it's been, I've been in limbo and I decided to sign up for a triathlon at the end of the summer. And it's just been so great for my mental health to just be like, instead of thinking about, Oh, when am I, my schedule and when are things going to get figured out for the next season? I'm instead like, okay, so pool opens tomorrow at seven and uh, I need to make sure I get there to get my swim in. It's just, it's so silly, but I find it so useful to like have a physical goal that I can fill in the space thinking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of just like somewhere. Yeah. 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 So just both like physically, mentally, I feel like that is my outlet. The way that I stay sane is just by doing that. And then I, yeah. And then just friends, building a support group around me. I mean, I think something that 
I'm trying to work on is just being more patient with myself and like being okay if I have a bad day. And I mean, one thing that I learned from season one, it was very intense, like worked a lot. I've never worked that much or that hard ever. And it's, you know, what needed to be done, but I don't want that to be my wasn't great for my mental health. I remember anyway. seeing you at the wing, oh my with, like your your thing, and I think it, we. I was also in kind of a similar period, and we were just kind of like wave to each other, oh like "Gosh, get some yeah, water, yeah. dude!" Like exactly, exactly. <laughs> stand up. Oh pee. my gosh! <laughs> but yeah, just like kind of trying to, you know, be like, okay, Allison, if if you have a really intense four hour interview, you need to go take a break. Yeah, not like keep working. Um, so hopefully building in a specific time. Does that answer your question? No, I feel it like does. I'm not getting no, so that specific. Was great. That was great. Yeah. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So I just had this moment last week where I thought to myself, we're recording this interview in the summer. Mm-hmm. I think it'll come out later. Yeah. But it is, it is hot yeah. New York summer. And yeah. I just had this realization that I've not been eating enough watermelon. Oh, yeah. And so I went to this Korean grocery store. Amazing. Mr. Melon, shout out. Um, <laughs> and I bought these three melons, a watermelon, a honeydew, and a cantaloupe, all for under $10, like wow. collectively. Wow. Came home. Just, That's really heavy. <laughs> yes. And then- Wait, these are not pre-cut? No, no, no. Yeah. So that's so you're carrying three melons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a lot of that's a, talk about carrying heavy yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was carrying those very heavy things home. So worth it. And then I just like put it all out on the table and like got up my cutting board and just cut it all up. And just, just was did, like that had to be cathartic. That's a lot of oh chopping. my gosh, it was amazing. It's just like cutting all this watermelon and melons and just like eating so <laughs> much of it, eating all of it and like putting it in containers, and then. I put some in the fridge, but then I put some in the Ooh. freezer. And then the next day I got out on a really hot bike ride and then oh I came back and then I blended it all together and made a smoothie. Wow. That's probably more like a slushy, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was yeah. like a slushy. Wow. Yeah. That, that whole visual is just like color, but I am like here for it. It was like a pastel green color. Oh my color. God. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. I'm just taking that in, man. <laughs> okay, what do you do when you feel overwhelmed or disorganized? Is there any productivity tips you have for yourself? I love this uh, Chrome plugin called Boomerang. Oh, yeah, it's so good. If you don't know about it, get it. You basically say you send an email to, in my context, like a doctor that I'm really trying to have a conversation with. But I know they're, this doctor, she's going to be busy So I basically just, you can set it such that if the doctor doesn't reply to me, the message comes back to me. And so it's just a way to like keep tabs on who I need to follow up with. So I don't have any like, I mean, I have a few documents that are like people I've reached out to, but I don't like log who I reach out to because I have boomerang. So then it's just like a reminder. Lots of email things. Do Um, you use hide inbox ever? That's a good one too. What's that? It's like it hides your inbox so then you can just go in and search and do what oh, you need to do without, so you're not oh getting gosh. distracted I by need that. Good. I need to figure out inbox things. Same. Oh my God. Same. Yeah. Other things when I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. Honestly, like trying to turn off email mm-hmm. and like turn off all notifications. I also don't have any notifications on my phone besides text message, like text message, WhatsApp, like those messaging things. Yeah. I don't have email. I also took off so then I went to like the badge where it has like the email icon and then it tells you how many unread mm-hmm. messages you have. Took that off. So good. Yeah. That's so smart. I need to do that. 
What are your morning and evening routines? Maybe the first few things you do when you wake up and the last few things you do at the end of the day? My evening ritual is very poor. I'm always striving to be someone who like gets in bed, meditates, all of that. So yeah. Actually, all. Yeah. Evening's harder for me. In the morning, I definitely like to wake up early. I normally exercise. In the morning is normally when I exercise, do some stretches. I've been really getting in a, I'll wake up first thing. And also it's summertime. So I'm just drinking so much water. Get a big thing of water, put lemon in it, drink that, do some stretches and like push-ups and stuff. And then go out, exercise, and then come back, breakfast, get started. Also on like an ideal day. That's like, (laughs) to be clear, not my everyday. (laughs) Greatest lesson on romantic relationships. Oh man. (laughs) Wow. I'm going to take a hard pass on that one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> for next for next time. Yeah. Greatest lesson on friendship. Oh, I love my friends. I have so many great friends. Uh, greatest lesson on friendship. I think generosity mm. is something that I really value in friendship, not just like someone who's going to buy you a beer. I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about like generosity of spirit, of time, sharing things, showing up. Listening. Listening. And I think that especially in the world a lot of us live in where just there's all these grabs for your attention and it's easy to feel selfish yeah. about your time. Oh, taking care of yourself. Sure, that's important, but being generous with your time, with your care, making food for people. Like I just, I value that a lot in my friends and appreciate that in my friends. And I, that's also how I try to like give and show love and friendship is like by being generous. Yeah, oh, I really love that. Okay. Last, last thing before the end, way to recommend things. So books, music, podcasts, food, TV show, things that you are all time favorites or things that you just come to mind that you're loving recently. Mm. Don't overthink it. Just whatever comes to mind. I've been reading a lot about mental health and I read this really great book called a kind of miraculous paradise, a true story about schizophrenia by a writer named Sandy Allen. And it's basically their investigation into a family member named Bob who gave them a manuscript of his life and asked Sandy to help write their story. But it turns out Bob is was a schizophrenic. And it's partially memoir, partially investigative journalism, partially an interrogation or uh meditation on. I'm not quite sure the right word, Mm -hmm. but like, it's a lot about what is real, what is reality and really kind of centering Bob's experience with his life as someone with schizophrenia. So cool. Highly recommend. Sandy Allen is the writer. I watched Fleabag recently. I heard that's good. um, Which is a TV series. So good. The main character is so complicated. She's so badass. You hate her, you love her, but ultimately you just like, yeah. It's incredible. Definitely recommend it. I just listened to the Theranos podcast, The Dropout, which was fascinating. I also, this has been going on for a while, but I just got into This Is Love by the makers of Criminal. Oh, cool. And it's just like all these amazing stories about love in the context of friendship and different things. Also, the Times put out this, they do their modern love thing, and they had college students submit essays. And I'd been reading some of them as they came out online. And then I guess in in a Saturday paper, they put them all together. And it was just so incredible to read about how young people are seeing love. Like I was learning stuff from them about love and relationships. Yeah. 
There's so many good things. So many good things out there. How do you consume I them know. all? It's very overwhelming, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, and I saw What the Constitution Means to Me. Oh, I heard that's very good, Last too. Night, which is a show, which is... Yeah. It was heavy and dark, but very good. Yeah, I heard that's very good. Well, this was great. Did I squeeze you for all your juice? Is there anything oh that you wish that you would have gotten to let I out? I mean, I feel like, Katie, you're so good at a thing that I strive to do, which is just like create a warm environment where people feel like they can share things. And you're such a great question asker. And I really appreciate that. Well, and coming from you, that yeah. means so much. Yeah, no, truly. Um, but yeah, I feel like we could keep talking forever, I know, but we'll I feel like, yeah, thanks for all the questions. I feel like it, it's some questions that haven't been asked before and it's just great to reflect well, on things. I've got more where that came from. <laughs> so I have copious notes. We didn't even get to the half of it. So if you're, if you're complimenting on this, you should see if we had more time. <laughs> well, we always end with letting out a deep breath together. So you ready? Right. Yes. Okay. Inhale. Let it out. <sighs> always feels a little better. Great. All right, that was my episode with Allison. She's the best. Please go listen to Bodies. And she talks about someone named Caitlin Prest who hosts this podcast called The Heart and The Shadows. And that's going to be one of my likes for this week. My ex-boyfriend actually told me about it, but I, wow, it's, The Shadows just really makes you feel a lot of feelings and it's very, very, very good. So give that a listen. Another one of my likes is the Facebook group because this episode really made me jealous of the community that she has in her Facebook group. And I just thought I should go back into our Facebook group and I would love us to chat about this stuff more and connect more. And I would just love all the different people listening to this podcast to be able to meet each other as much as they can. And Facebook is a really good tool for that. Some other likes and learns, if it's okay with you guys, I'm just going to kind of blend likes and learns into one thing. Cause sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what I learned this week. I'm sure I learned things, but I always know what I liked. So I rewatched the movie Francis Ha recently and man, I've never felt more articulated by a film. I've always loved that movie, but rewatching it now that I've lived in New York and like weirdly went to Paris quickly on a trip and There were just so many parallels that I felt very articulated by this movie. And if you haven't seen it, watch it. And I will probably be talking about it more on the podcast because it just made me feel seen and less alone and entertained. And I loved it. It's such a great Greta Gerwig film. If you haven't seen it, watch it. I moved this weekend. Previous podcast guest Talia and her husband Jesse came over with their car and helped me move from my best friend, Katie, who's also done the podcast. Apparently everyone I know has basically been a guest on this over the years because I've been doing it for so long, but they came over and moved me and I'm in Greenpoint and I love it so much being in Brooklyn and being back and being in one place, which is really good. And the other thing quickly I'll tell you is I found when I was moving an old gratitude journal of mine from 2016, which was a really magical year for me. My book came out. I started a really wonderful relationship that year. I moved that year. Like it was just a lot happened in one year for me. It was kind of magical. And so I started to read through what I was writing down that I was grateful for right before that big year. And It was just really interesting to see my patterning and what was going on with me then. And and then I was like, why do I not keep a gratitude journal? 
anymore. And I was kind of inspired from last week's episode talking to Erica and Claire from Of A Kind, which speaking of, go back and listen to that, especially after the announcement that they made of Of A Kind shutting down. I'm not sure if you guys saw that after, but um, they're just such wonderful people and whatever they do next is going to be amazing. But anyway, I think it was either Claire, Erica, I'm pretty sure it was Claire said that she keeps a gratitude journal, but it's like so dorky that to have that, she calls it GJ instead of writing it out because it can feel very simplistic and dorky, but I started to write down things that I'm grateful for that day, try to keep it different. And I'm writing down reasons I'm excited to wake up the next day to just help me get out of bed, especially if I'm feeling sad or depressed. And I've been doing it for like two days, <laughs> but I used to do it all the time. And I'm gonna, I'll, I'll report back next week how it's going. But I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to start a podcast, I would love to help you. I have let a podcast out for that. And again, the early bird ends on Monday. So you have a couple more days to sign up. And if you want to listen to my episode with a winner from last semester, Alex, she made this podcast called Limbo, which is about growing up and being in your 20s and transitions. And it's so wonderful. We aired an episode on this feed a couple months ago and she went through my course and we talk about it a little bit. And anyway, I'm just really proud of all the podcasts that have been started as a result of, you know, having the handholding and going through this process and doing it with a the community. There's live calls that we do and everyone gets to know each other through a private Facebook group and through these calls that we do with each other. And I just like the support element of starting something. It's really hard for me to do things on my own and having accountability and other people and a deadline and structure is so useful for me. So speaking of, I'm going to go, but I love you guys. I wasn't speaking of that at all, but I am going to go and I love you. I will talk to you next week. If you found this episode at all useful or interesting or entertaining, or you think it would be helpful with anyone who might have experienced something similar with painful sex or vaginismus or just anything with their body, honestly, please send them this. I want people to feel less alone. I want to take away shame as much as we can and make people feel like they're part of community. Okay. I love you. And speaking of that, let's all chat in the Facebook group. Talk to you next week. And I'm back with an additional announcement. If you haven't listened to my podcast that I co-host with Serena Wolf called Spiraling, it's a mental health podcast, an optimistic anxiety podcast. You should listen to it. I think you would probably like it. It's really great. We have six episodes out so far and we'll be putting another few out this year. And I'm really excited for you guys to give me your feedback on that project. I love doing it so much. If you are enjoying it, please leave a review and subscribe to that on iTunes or wherever you listen. That's really helpful and will allow us to keep doing it if you like it. And then also leave a review for Let It Out while you're at it if you haven't. You know, that'd be cool. All right. Love you guys. Bye.